Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. What's going on, guys? Chase here. I'm going to do some kind of real-time breaking news, talking about a recent settlement that just happened in the San Diego jiu-jitsu area where a student who participated in a class was injured and then just awarded $46 million dollars in the settlement that came out in court that I think was just released a day or two ago. And so we're going to break down kind of what happened in it, kind of get some takes on potential, you know, up and coming things that might change in the jujitsu culture or what my, I might see happen. So I just want to be totally transparent. Some of the things that I'm going to is I'm going to read off a piece of paper just to make sure that I'm quoting everything accurately and I have the full story 100%. I know I don't normally do breaking new stuff like this, but I just want to make sure I get it right because I think it's an important topic for us to discuss going forward. So what ended up happening was a brand new student named Mr. Grenier. He was left paralyzed as a result of injury he suffered during a class. This class occurred on November 29th of 2018, so several years ago at Del Mar Jiu-Jitsu Club in Del Mar, California. Um, the student was 23 years old at the time, and he was attending a beginner's class. So that should kind of let you guys know a little bit about the intensity that probably should have been had during that class. The class consisted of a 10-minute warm-up, a 20-minute of technical instruction, followed by sparring. So a very standard class format. According to the report, Grenier had a sparring session with just a, a normal student and then had no incident, no injuries, no nothing. And then he had another sparring round with the instructor. I don't know if the instructor was teaching the class or if he was just an assistant instructor or an instructor at the gym, but he was an instructor. And then the following incident had happened. Allegedly, the instructor's name is uh, Fernando uh, Etardas. I'm not sure if that's how you say it or not. I'm not as good at speaking Portuguese. He's a second degree black belt. There have been some reports leave his name out. Some reports have it. I'm sure they're not wanting to get sued, but that's just what I have found. Um, and if that's the case, I don't really care about getting his name right anyway. So as followed now, this is the incident that happened. While practicing with the instructor, Mr. Grenier was placed in the turtle position, a position where a person is balled up onto all fours. With his face down on the mat, if an opponent is in the turtle position, the goal should be to be safe to put that person on their side known as taking the back. Instead, this position on top of Mr. Grenier, the instructor crouched down onto the balls of his feet, pinned Mr. Grenier to the mat, immobilized Mr. Grenier's left arm, then launched himself up and over his opponent, placing his entire body weight on Mr. Grenier's neck. The extreme force of the maneuver crushed Mr. Grenier's cervical vertebrae, causing the student to fall limp and paralyzed in all extre extremities. So to me, this sounds like a pretty severe incident that happened. Um, I'm assuming it was immediate. Um, it doesn't say immediate, but I'm assuming it was because if he went limp and immobilized right away, pretty instantly. Um, I've seen a lot of jiu-jitsu injuries over my career of 13 years of teaching and training. I've seen knees explode. I've seen shoulders bust open and, and everything like that. I've never seen a student from a jiu-jitsu injury go completely limp on all fours like that. Um, so that's a very interesting injury. That must have been some extreme force. Um, we don't know Mr. Grenier's 
background. We don't know what previous injuries he potentially had. I'm sure that was very sought out by all the attorneys in that. According to the article, he was left uh, hospitalized for months even after he had several surgeries. He even had fusion of several vertebrae, and then he even had to have a stent put in because he was actually on the cause of having several strokes. So he had some pretty severe injuries that were even happening after. It wasn't like something had just happened instantly. Everything came back. Everything's good. He had to continue to get care after. And so therefore, that's what led to his attorneys filing a suit on his behalf for the lawsuit and totaled up. It was $46 million. Some things were for injury bills, pain and suffering, um, previous bills and everything of that nature. So this is a pretty crazy incident to happen in the Jiu-Jitsu Academy. So my general thoughts over what happened is by far, this is totally unacceptable from a Jiu-Jitsu standard. I've been helping run and teach at a Jiu-Jitsu Academy for over 10 years now. And often I am the partner with brand new students. I have done it anything from being a brand new white belt to being a first degree black belt myself. And that is absolutely unacceptable to do of any environment. Um, it's unacceptable even to do for a, a new student, but for someone that is of a secondary black belt caliber and from all the research I can find, if it is the instructor that I mentioned earlier, he's a very decorated um, champion. He has trained quite a bit. So to even attempt that kind of a move in a beginner's class is either two things. Either his ego was trying to happen or he was trying to... Um, prove a point and, you know, lay down the law, as some people will say. Um, either way, it's unacceptable. I've had students, even in basis class or the first time they start to spar, who are more ego than, than myself. You know, they won't tap to certain things or they won't move when they're supposed to. And they could be, and I could make it a lot worse. But guess what? I have enough self-control to not make it worse. There's also techniques that I know I purposely do not do with newer students, not because um, I'm actually worried about hurting them myself, but because I'm actually worried about them hurting themselves. So for example, one reason why heel hooks are not usually, at least at my academy, we don't allow heel hooks in the basis class or in the fundamentals um, program whenever newer students are starting to spar. It's because not that the person who's applying the move might mess up, but the person having the move done to them might turn the wrong way. And in this instance, it sounded like the instructor was choosing to to do a little bit more of a dangerous or risky move that he had probably done hundreds of times on people if I had to guess or assume. To me, it kind of seems like some form of a cruci crucifix potentially when they say pinning the arm or things of that nature. It, it's kind of hard to get a visual representation. It's kind of hard to describe jiu-jitsu techniques always through text. Um, I'll be curious to see if anyone does has more information about this. I did see... Um, on Instagram that Henner Gracie, if you guys don't know who he is, one of the uh, you know grandsons of, of Grandmaster Elio Gracie said that he was an expert witness or he testified um, or brought in as an expert witness, I think is what it's called. I'm not as familiar with the legalese. Sorry, don't roast me. But and he was brought in to uh, give testimony or to give expertise on this jujitsu idea case. And um, he said now that the settlement has happened, 
he's going to be putting out more information about it. So I'll be very curious to see that. Also, um, Rob over at McDojo Life did also another great breakdown, talking a little bit more about this as well, too. So by far, go check out those other sources as well. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update about that. If you're a struggling jujitsu student that is really looking for some more help and guidance and trying to figure out what you should be training and the next steps in your jiu-jitsu journey. I have an online program called the Jiu-Jitsu Blueprint for Lifelong Development. Make sure you hit me up at jasonhill.com and I do an interview to make sure that you're a good fit, make sure the program would actually benefit you so that way your time's not wasted and neither is mine. Now, you know, obviously my personal thoughts is that's completely unacceptable or whatever behavior. Here's what I'm going to see happen inside of jiu-jitsu schools. Number one, jiu-jitsu schools need to understand if you don't know this, you should know this, the waiver that students sign as a jiu-jitsu student doesn't protect you necessarily from anything. Um, the waiver is something that you is an informed consent that you have to give to participating parties to notify them about the danger of the activity that they're going to come into. The main reason why a lot of times schools have a waiver is because if they carry an insurance policy, the insurance policy will not continue to cover them unless they are are doing that because um, the idea behind that is that the, the student is of sound body and mind and they're um, consenting to the activity, then they are taking on the assumption of risk of somewhat. And that is true. And so the insurance policy wants to make sure that the student knows that um, and, and that the school is, is giving that information as a form of non-negligence on the school. But that doesn't protect the school from still providing a safe environment from the student to train in. So that's where the kind of the key is, is the waiver doesn't protect the school from being sued or anything. The waiver is something that they need to do um, in order to kind of even have the business and have insurance and to, you know, participate in this field. Um, but it doesn't stop a student from suing. So uh, this is kind of a, a, a interesting debate in the jiu-jitsu world that hasn't really happened yet. It happens more in fitness gyms. I'm going to make the correlation here in a second. You know, I did a, I have a degree in exercise science and, and I took a class in actual kind of legal ability when you're running a, a, a group exercise facility or a gym facility. And this is the reason why at certain places they don't allow for certain exercises. They don't allow for potential like cleans, jerks and snatches or overhead lifts or Turkish get-ups because what happens is that if a student or a participant in the gym, not a student, but if a member in the gym does one of those exercises and then gets hurt, the facility is at an increased liability because of these more dangerous activities happening. So that's why if you go to like Gold's Gym or you go to uh, Planet Fitness, for example, I know there's just kind of, they have a lunk alarm and that's a little ploy in itself, but a lot of gyms won't allow you to do Olympic based lifts. They don't even have bumper plates or they even have a, a platform in order to do it. And then if they see you trying to do something like that, they'll usually come around and try to stop you. And they're stopping you because of that. They're saying that, Hey, you're not skilled enough to possibly do that. That's not what this gym is set up for. So therefore, I don't want to take the risk as the facility owner and have you hurt yourself, right? So that is that is negligent and it's up to the facility to provide the environment or the conditions to stay safe. And um, so a waiver doesn't protect anybody from doing that. Um, it's really up to the facility to puncture down. 
So where I see this going now, um, potentially, is I see even more a restriction of techniques being taught or more of a restriction about classes of where certain students can be held because this could happen to anybody at any day. Now, obviously, we're not seeing people go limp and be fully paralyzed. I believe he is a, a, a quadriplegic now. I think he's all for uh, paralyzation. I don't know if he's able to make a recovery, but this is a going to be a bigger deal. And I guarantee you, it's not good for the jiu-jitsu business. It's going to be terrible for the jiu-jitsu business. So it, I'm really asking for jiu-jitsu instructors, or if you're an assistant instructor, to please, please, please create some kind of conditions. If you have classes, it, this is this is one of the main reasons why I'm not a big fan of whenever it's a brand new student, you just throw them into an all levels class because they have no idea what they're doing. And when I say an all levels class in this, it says beginners class. But as we often know, a, a beginner's class on most jujitsu schools is just a way to reel new people in. It's not really a beginner's class. What it is, is it's a way that someone from the outside sees a beginner's class and then the person comes in and then they see it on the schedule and they do it, but the techniques are not beginning techniques. The environment is not structured for a beginner. It's still full-blown sparring and rolling from day one, and this person's being treated as if they're an expert and the black belt needed to perform some crazy technique on them like he's trying to win Pan Ams or Worlds. So that's what I'm talking about, about a true beginner's class. A true beginner's class is literally structured everything from the techniques that are taught to the environment that's created to the amount of resistance that's encouraged in it. Everything is done from a beginner's viewpoint. Even at the academy that we teach and train out of, we have a whole curriculum that's for beginners that's always taught in that beginner's class. There's a certain way that we make sure that students are partnered with each other so no one gets hurt for this reason. And the type of sparring that we do in it is not free-for-all sparring. It's very focused sparring so that way we can mitigate the potential risk and also it gets students to focus on certain things even better. So this is where I'm going to have to see jujitsu schools moving toward more of than less of. The, the old days of just everyone showing up to a room and then strangling each other and hopefully no one gets hurt, I think is going to be a lot less because you're going to have more of this stuff happening. And yes, I know this doesn't happen all the time. We're, we don't see lawsuits of students um, getting this all the time, but I guarantee if you are a jiu-jitsu business person and you start talking with an attorney and they see this now, the precedent has been set. Okay. The precedent is now set that if a major injury or even not even a major injury, but if some kind of injury happens, there is now a, an example of someone, um, receiving and, and winning the case. So if you're not a jiu-jitsu school and you're not going to put these, uh, appropriate measures in place to try to mitigate as much injury as possible, you might lose your business, right? And this kind of goes against a lot of the jujitsu mentality of if you're not tough enough, don't be in it. You know, these people should learn like this. You're not in a fight, okay? You're here in training with people. So just kind of keep that in mind. If you guys are an instructor or an inspiring instructor or even a partner that really helps out in the jiu-jitsu world, I really encourage you guys 
to have some empathy for people and understand that just because you're maybe a badass or you're a person that could really hurt somebody, you shouldn't impose that will on another person. Even if you've done the move a thousand times and no one's got hurt, you need to take those things into risk and into consideration before you do them. So that's it for this video. Um, I know it's some real-time news. If you guys like this kind of stuff, maybe I'll start doing more. Let me know down in the comments below what you guys think. Um, it's a very interesting topic. I'll be very curious to see where it goes in the jiu-jitsu world. Um, I'm definitely going to meet with one of our attorneys and uh, have him give me some more information over it. And maybe we'll do a follow-up video. So anyway, you guys stay safe and stay away from douchebag instructors, please. Take it easy. If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words, also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later.